exalted above everything, including above Corona. And therefore, uh, it doesn't matter how the week has been, uh, we can come to God and uh, we can get refreshed. And therefore, more or less to uh, pick up me just uh, for us just to have a conversation today and i know that we're going to be encouraged and also uh, challenged um you know as uh, i introduced what i'm going to talk about the world is slowly reopening the world is slowly reopening and as we um, get back to you know our normal church life and get back to our normal businesses i think the question that i've been asking myself um you know this week is have we learned anything have we learned anything uh, from this crisis? Have we learned anything? There is, we are still in the COVID-19 situation, the environment, and the world has really changed. And the world has changed how we work. The world has changed even how we fellowship. I mean, today we have got over close to 60 people, on the, you know, 60 families represented in this fellowship tonight. Um, and, and, and we are connected digitally. Um, it's changed the way we do things. Um, it's changed the way we work. People are working from home. Uh, people are doing church online, um, and many things that have that have happened. But I think the question I was asking myself is: Have we learned anything as a church, as believers? Have we learned anything? Um, and and shall we go back to, you know, the same place we were? Shall we go back to just normal church and continue? with how church was being, was being done before. Shall your life go back to the way it was? Will you just go back to the way it, you know, your life used to be before, or is there going to be a change? Have we learned anything? Um, you know, the church uh, has been accused, I think, you know, whether it's before uh, this uh, COVID, the church was, uh, was being accused of being weak. Um, you know, a, a bit, we're also accused of being ignorant of many things. Um, we are even accused of being greedy, um, as Brother Solomon was just sharing, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, how we even changed so many things and it became culture. You know, we all, we, 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 we had changed and we became that we must give the offering at the end of the service. And when you look at why, the reason why, it was because we are waiting for people to come. And when we are many, then that's when we give the offering. And the, 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 the perception is that when people have come, that's when the offering is given. But when you go to the Bible, uh, and as I shared last week, you saw people were preparing to go to, to a service. And part of a, um, a worship service was giving to God. And so the first thing that you do is you give. It's like when you go to visit somebody. Um, you know, I, I go to visit Joyce and Cosmos in their home, and then I arrive. And on my way, I've carried some bananas and uh, passed through Tuskies or somewhere there to buy something to go with. And then when I arrive, I keep it, you know, with myself until I have, we've, you know, fellowship with them. Then we have eaten. And then now when I'm about to leave, is when I now take what I came with and give them. It's not like that. You know, the, it's not done like that. <laughs> when you arrive, you you offer, you give the offer. Then now you sit down to enjoy the fellowship. And it, it's, it's some of those things that we had sort of done religiously without thinking that have impacted us as believers. And that no wonder then we were being accused of being weak, greedy, and a bit of ignorant. And the question I was asking myself is, shall we go back? Have we learned anything? Shall we be different? this time around is there going to be a clear you know a clear, a clear change and is there a chance that the, that the church can chart a new different path so that 
the post-COVID uh, believers, although the believers that will be there post this uh, situation, can be different, can have a heavenly mindset, can be powerful, can be living a miraculous life. We People can look at us and say, these people worship a God that is alive. Is there a chance that we can change our path and start a new and a new way. And I think I'm throwing those things because I said today, I just wanted us to have a conversation. Uh, just, a, a, just a conversation so that we can, we can reflect on the things that I'm just throwing out here. So is there a chance that we can have a new, we can chart a new path, that the, the, the post-COVID believers, the post-COVID church can be a different church, can be a church that will be respected, can be a church that people will run to for solutions, can be a church that people will not point a finger at. Is there a chance, is there an opportunity for us to chart a new, a new territory? And I'm throwing those things there in today's fellowship so that you can reflect on these things as I, as I, as, as I go on. So if we can go back, if, if you want to change direction, if you get onto um, the wrong train, um, you know, you get onto the SGR and you are going to Nairobi. And, you know, there was another one that was going to Naivasha. It does not matter how much you pray inside that train. Every minute you spend inside the train, you'll be heading towards Mombasa. And if you want to go to Naivasha, you'll have to get out of that train. Go back to the station and take a new train, the train that goes to Naivasha. So well, as I was reflecting on this, I was saying, you know, if we have to change and do and, and be different, possibly we need to alight from several trains that we have, uh, we've more or less uh, taken unknowingly or unconsciously and go back to the right train so that every minute we are in that train, we can be heading towards our destination, which is where Christ wants us to go. So is it possible to go back to a Christ-led, a Christ-centered, miraculous lifestyle that brings glory to God? Is it possible for us to go back to a Christ-led, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-driven, miraculous lifestyle that will truly bring glory to God? A place where, for example, the miracle that uh, Gideon was talking about is a daily occurrence. And there are many others. We may not mention them here. Where that lifestyle um, you know, is actually something that um, is, is, is daily, is happening every day in our lives. Is, is, and, and I was reflecting on this. Is it possible that we can actually live that lifestyle? Because when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, he, he, when he was here on earth, and you just look at his, the way he did his ministry in the short span that he was here, he, you know, it was, a, it was a, a ministry that was full of, uh, number one, miracles. Miracles were happening every day. There was power. Everywhere he went, there was power. You, you, you read every place, you hear, and the power of God was there, was present for him to heal. And then the, the, the ministry was respected. It even reached a point they said, even if you don't believe anything else, at least believe the miracles that you are seeing. So is it possible for us to, to go back 
and board the new train so that the church, the post-COVID church, can be a different church. The post-COVID believers can be powerful. They can be the miraculous walking believers that are power-packed, that become the envy of everybody else so that our lives really glorify God. Is it possible? And so tonight in this fellowship, um, that we have tonight, uh, the fellowship of, um, you, know, of, you know, today, August the 14th, Friday. I, I want to challenge us, I want to throw that, that if this is your desire, if you, if you, if you desire this, to, that you can live a miraculous life that is power-packed, that, uh, that, that miracles are happening every day, that you're progressing, you're moving forward, you're living your purpose, and um, you're making a difference to the world that then I want to welcome you to join me in the teachings that I'm going to be doing. I'll try to do to introduce what I'm talking about tonight. And if, it, if I don't finish, we have the morning meetings. I'll try to probably take a portion during the morning prayer meetings because I feel that it's something that we need to communicate and that, you know, some of the weekend, the weekend, the, the Fridays that are coming so that at least we can take this journey. And I believe that if we understand this, I think it's going to change our lives. It's going to change ministry. It's going to change the way church is viewed. And I pray that us as Krem, as a ministry, we can be and we can we can be a pioneer. We can be a, a, a team that actually embraces this and makes a difference. And I do that. It shall bring revival. It shall bring revival to the body of Christ, to the Church of Jesus Christ, because it is just the way God wants us to be. So tonight I want to speak to us as I introduce this topic of living a miracle-filled and powerful life. Living a miracle-filled and powerful life. Because the things I'm going to share with us here, if we implement them, I believe that it will be competing here on Fridays to talk about what God has done. If going by what we have seen in the last three, three two and a half weeks of going by what we have seen, I want to tell you that it will be, we will be, it will be a different place. You will be in a different space. So I'm very passionate about what I'm going to share with us tonight. And that's why I just wanted us to have a conversation because if we, if I get excited, then uh, I may not be able to communicate that which I want to communicate. And I, I just pray that I can be able to just to go slowly and lay the foundation because this is going to change your life. It's going to change your next chapter. You know, when God spoke, and it was the last one, when God spoke to Abraham, when he called Abraham, Abraham was not young. He was fairly old. He was an old man at the time that he called him. And he doesn't come. I want to take you to a new place. I want to separate, leave your people and go. And so, what I've come to realize is that it is never late. Now, for the young people that are in this meeting, um, if you can take to heart what we're going to share with you here tonight, I think you're going to lead a very life. Because you still have got a long, long time. But even for those that are, that are older, the older generation, Abraham was being called. It's an old man. And so we are just like beginning. You know, so the difference is, you know, it is, you, we are just beginning. You know, you are the age when God was calling Abraham. 
So <laughs> you are just like, uh, and, and all the other people that are in, in this place. Now for the young people, you know, the, the you know, the, you know, Doreen's and the Eric Wendwas and the, you know, all this Fred, you know, the young, young generation, the Benjamins and all these young people, Dennis and all that. If you can take to heart what I'm going to share here with you tonight, I believe you lead such powerful lives that the next generation of Christians will be respected. There'll be no doubt around where you, <laughs> where you should be. So what, what, what do we mean by living a miracle-filled and powerful life? The, the, you know, the definition of a miracle is, um, is something that's an extraordinary, something that is extraordinary, that God reveals himself to us. Something miracles remind us that God does not depend on the elements of nature or man's abilities to do the impossible. Things that cannot be explained with your own, uh, with, with un human understanding. Things that science cannot, uh, cannot explain. That's what we mean by miracle. Um, miracle. When Jesus fed the 5,000 people, you couldn't explain where you can just cut bread and just keep giving and it just keeps multiplying and it just keeps multiplying. And Yet Jesus speaks to us, and He says, and let's let's read that Matthew chapter uh, Matthew chapter nineteen verses twenty three to twenty six Matthew nineteen uh, twenty three to twenty six, um, and I'll read twenty six um, because that's really the part that that that, that, that I, I'm, I'm interested in. It says Jesus looked at them and said, "With man, this is impossible, but with God, all." things are possible. He's saying with man. So when you live and we look at things with a manly point of view, yeah, we'll have limitations. But Jesus is saying, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And because he's saying this, he's, he's telling us, he's, he's, it is him that is he's, he's, he's telling us, with, with, with God, there's nothing impossible. And so what if we have God with us, then there should be nothing impossible. And whether we are in the middle of a road, God has the ability, he, he has the ability to send you that money, whether through M-Pesa, to reach you at that point in time, at the right time. And that's what we call miracles. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 21, it, the, the, it says, uh, he is the one you praise, he is your God, who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Here is referring to the children of Israel. They have left Egypt, you know, powerfully. You know, they come to the Red Sea, and you know, Moses, um, you know, leaves, uh, you know, does listens to God's instructions, and the Red Sea opens, and they pass in the middle as the Egyptians come running after them. And as they cross the other side, the sea closes. And the Egyptians are swallowed. As Moses, uh, well, you know, as, uh, God spoke to Moses and saying, these Egyptians that you see today, you will never see them again. And that is the God that we serve. He's telling us that these things that he was doing then, he's still doing today. He's, he's capable of doing it today. These are not just some fairy tales that were happening. The God that we serve 
is able to do even these things today. He will open the Red Sea. He will open. He is able to do the impossible. So we saw him doing that for the children of Israel as they were crossing. And he's saying he's the one you praise because he's the one who performed those great miracles. I want to challenge us tonight. This God that we serve, he is still wanting to perform his miracles today. He is faithful. And if we can identify with him and, and listen to some of the things I'm going to share with us here tonight, I believe we can, we can live a miracle-filled and powerful life because it's God's plan. You know, Solomon was making reference to that time that I was stuck on Sal in Salama. I think it was in Salama. That hill, hill, that hill as you climb up to go Salama, I was driving my Pigeon 504 then. I had just come from uh, Malawi. I think I had gone there to coordinate a meeting, a, a, a crusade that we were supposed to do. And I went to the church and we got delayed. And as I'm coming, you know, back to Nairobi, it was late when I reached Emali. I, you know, and I was driving, it was around eight or something like that past in, in, at night. And that road was very dangerous at that, that time. And as I'm driving up that hill, I, I, I heard some noise on the left side of my car. And then followed by another one. And before I, long, my car was now bent on the left-hand side. And it well occurred to me that I'd had, a pun, I'd had a puncture. And that's when I'm just beginning to climb that hill. And I had to make a choice. Do I continue driving the car or do I park on the side and figure it out? And I was, as usual, those of you that knew me that time, I used to have my, you know, my uh, cassettes, um, you know, that used to play my songs that were endless in that, in that car. And I parked the car there with my, um, you know, Chakutumaini Sina song that was playing repeatedly. And I parked the car on the side. And as I'm standing on the side, and, you know, people come and uh, the lorry drivers stand and they tell me, you know what, you better drive that car out of there. Because, you know, there are thieves, in fact, Mulumute, this year, it just been attacked just before there, and 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 the the, the, the tags were being you know they, they set their tags around there. So let me get out of there. And I realized if I drive this car like this, these are two tires. By the time I reach up there on the hill, I will the car will be completely damaged. The rim will be damaged, and you know to be frank, I didn't have money to start going to buy a rim. I actually didn't have money. So I, I just stuck there and I was sitting in the car and just worshiping God and just waiting for God, for, you know, for a miracle to come. And as I was sitting there, two lorries stood and they told me, get out of there, you'll be killed. And it's, at, it's, at, it's dark at night, I'm alone. But you know, as I was standing, as I was in that car, a police vehicle arrived with... I think there were two policemen, uh, three policemen. They came, they parked next to me. And they told me, what's the problem? I tell them, I've got a puncture. They told me, then don't worry. One policeman went, he was told, go and stand there, guard with your gun. Because they, it was, they were expecting, it was a, you know, there were tags there. And this other policeman asked me, where is the jack for your car? I removed the jack for, your, for the car I gave him. He told me, just don't worry, we're going to change the tire for you. This is a Kenyan policeman, Kenyan policeman. And I stood there 
They changed my tire. He changed the tire. The, the, uh, the, he removed the first tire because I had only one spare tire. They removed that tire. He gave me the tire plus his car with this other policeman. And we went to go to the Salama market. The other policeman stood guard with my car. We went, we changed the tire, repaired it, came back. They changed the tire, the two tires for me, finished everything and told me, now you can drive. And then we'll continue. They Kenyan policemen, they changed the tires for me while I'm standing. And that is not, it takes God <laughs> of the many miracles that I've observed along that road. And there are many I can tell you until the day ends. It is, God is still doing miracles. That, that is still fresh in my mind. I actually gave them the cassettes. They remained with the cassette to be listening because they told me they are really, they, that music was really good and I left it with them. But what am I trying to say tonight? I'm trying to say that God is still doing miracles. He's still here. He wants to perform. He wants to open the Red Sea for you. He wants to intervene in that situation. He is, he, and it is possible for us as Christians to live a miracle-filled and a powerful life. Miracle-filled and powerful. And that's why I want to have this conversation. In John chapter 14, I'm just trying to put up the, the case here. John chapter 14, uh, verses 12 to 14. The Bible says, very, uh, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than this because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is Jesus himself speaking. He said, and I will do whatever you ask. And so tonight, I want you to reflect on the things that are going on in your life, the challenges, the fears that you have, the, all the emotions that are going through your life. And I want to submit to you tonight, wherever you are, in Kenya, in South Africa, like where we are, in the US, Miriam, where you are, wherever you are, I want to submit to us tonight that, you know what? God wants to do big things. God, whatever we ask in our name that will bring glory to him, he is ready to do it. He says, you ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now imagine a church that asks and they get, they ask anything and they get. That would be a powerful church. It would be a church that people will run to. It would be, be a church that presidents will come for solutions. It would be a church where the, the, when the bishops arrive on the leaders of the church, people will not even point a finger at them. And that is the, 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 the church though, that we want the church of tomorrow, where nobody can open their mouth and say anything because of the power that they are seeing. And so I'm raising all these things here for us because we are a ministry that works with the churches. We are a ministry that God has raised to help and to bring the change in the, in the churches. And so it is important for us to have a good appreciation of what God really wants and what is actually possible. That we can have a church, a believers that are respected. 
that the drama that we have seen in the past, not just in Kenya, by the way, all over the world, even here in South Africa, you've been seeing the drama, some of the drama that we have been seeing here, you know, happening, that brings disrespect to the body of Christ. People faking miracles so that their churches can get congregation, they can get more people. And all the drama that we do that to attract, um, you know, to attract um, church members. And that needs to end. <laughs> it needs to end. We, we, as I said, we can't go back. We can't go back. I think COVID has come so that we can, we can awaken ourselves. We, we can't go back there. <laughs> like what Abraham told the servant. He said, go and get me, my son, a wife. And then the servant is saying, you know what? What if the lady refuses and she insists? He said, you know what? The one thing I want you to swear is that you'll never take my son there. He's not going back. And I think there are some, there are some things that we must determine we are not going back to. There are some dramas we must determine that we are not going back to. The church we go back to post-COVID has to be a different church. It has to be a desire. It has to be something that we crave for because when we crave for it, it's going to happen. We cannot continue. We cannot go back to drama and theater. It has to be different. So Jesus says, you may ask me anything. And so when, when you look at all that I have said, I want to tell you it is possible for us to live a miraculous, powerful life. It is possible. It's cause desire. It's actually what God wants for you. It's what God wants for everybody that is listening to me here tonight. So what do we need to do? What, 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 what do we need to do to unlock this miraculous lifestyle that we, we should really be embracing? And, and that is bring me to the first point that I'm going to share with you tonight. And I hope, um, you, you know, if we have time, we will continue because this shop will form the, the basis. You, the first thing that is important for you and me to live a miraculous and powerful lifestyle, number one, we must understand who we are in Christ. We, we must understand who we are in Christ. Who are you? Because once we solve the identity issue, once we solve the identity issue, the rest of the things you, you, you know, just fits in. Once we solve the identity issue and you understand who you are because of Christ, when you get born again, where, who are you? Once you solve that, and I was just thinking about it. You know, when the, when the, the enemy, the devil came like a snake to Adam and Eve, the one thing that he, he robbed them was that identity. He came and said, did God really, really say this? And so that when, when God now came back, they went to hide. And the reason why they went to hide is because they were now not sure. They were confused. They, were, they, they, they had lost that identity, that confidence in God had been taken. And from there, it was one way. Until Jesus came and died on the cross for you and for me so that we could be reconciled back to God and we can be sure of our identity. That's why this is so, so important. 
Who are you? Who are you in Christ? Who are you as an individual? If we solve that, the rest of them will become will become very clear. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9, the Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. And he's saying, you know what? Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I believe this is the same message that God is speaking to us. That you know what? You, you are not an accident. You, are, you, you just didn't come to appear. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. That's how precious. That's how important you are. God knew you before you came to exist in the body that you are. That's why I want to spend some time there because I would like us to kill that. That whole issue once and for all. God knew you before you were born. And what that tells you is just how precious, how valuable, how important each one of us that has got breath is to God. He knew you before you were formed. He knew you before you came, you, you came forth. And you see, the problem is, if you do not know who you are, circumstances or other people will define you. When you have an identity issue, people will then begin to define you. They will define you as black and them as white. They will define you as African and another one as European. They will define you as an American or Chinese or uh, they'll define you as short and tall or as a Kamba and Saluo, as a, you know, as a Kikuyu. When you don't know who you are, then people start defining you. And that's why it's important for us to understand that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. And so, if God knew me before I came forth, why would you worry? Why would you be concerned about color? <laughs> I don't care. You can be black, you can be brown, you can be tall, you can be whatever. It does not matter. What matters is before I came forth, the God who created me, he knew me. And that's important because we are living at a time where race, color is so, so important. There are also debates and, you know, the, you know, black lives and white lives and Chinese lives and all these things. We are all trying to define the human race and we can try whatever we want to do. But let me tell you, the true identity is what comes from your creator. Once you have, once you have known who you are, it does not matter whatever people try to do here. The point is, if you do not know who you are, then people will define you as black. People will define you as white. People will define you as African. People will define you as Kenyan. People will define you as South African. People will define you as American. You know, they put labels. But the most important identity is that one of the person that knew you before you came forth. Everything else is just administrative. The rest is boundaries. It is neither here nor there. It is purely for the purposes of paying tax. So that if the government wants me to pay 40%, I know how much I'm supposed to pay. It's all purely administrative. The most important identity is our identity in Christ. 
And you see, you are a, you are a creative, you are a creative, compassionate spiritual being, currently living in physical form, in this time. So the reason why God knew Jeremiah, He said He knew us before we came for, because before before we took this body, we existed in the spirit, and God knew us. So it is important to understand that we are a, a creative, compassionate, spiritual being currently living in a physical form. That you are a spiritual being. Right now, you have taken a physical body that you live in and for a period of time. So before you are, you are a spiritual being, you have taken a physical body now and that physical body is for time, is, is for a time frame. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tries to bring this, um, this thing uh, very, very forward. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, um, verse 5, the Bible says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So Paul is reminding the Corinthian church that you know what? This body that we have is a tent. Neema is a tent that we are living in now because there's another building in, in, uh, in heaven where we are going to. So, but for now, we are in this physical body. We live in this physical body, this tent. And beyond this tent, there is another place we are going. Another house that God has created for us. In verse, um, verse 6 as well, it's, uh, um, it says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So he's just trying to bring that point home. And if you go to verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was risen again. And verse 17 is actually what I want to, um, to highlight on. It says, therefore, therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So what, what Paul is telling the Corinthians is, when we come to Christ, when we get born again, we are living in this body, this body, this what he's calling a tent. But he's saying when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. The old then goes and we, began, we start something that is new. Why is this so, so important? It's because when we get born again, the whole act of being born again is we then get reconnected with God. We get reconnected with God so that that accident that happened at the Garden of Eden is, is, is now removed and we get back into fellowship with God. We are reconnected to him. Remember, we are in a physical body, but we are a spiritual being. So when we get born again, and I will talk about that as we go on, when we get born again, we then get connected with God. And that act of being connected with God, it means that the miraculous power of God then flows through us. 
It flows through us. When we get born again, there's that connection with God. And that's why you hear about the Holy Spirit coming in to, to, to provide that connection between us and God. And so we are now in communion with God. We can hear God. When he came visiting the, at the Garden of Eden, uh, he would come to look at Adam and Eve and they would have fellowship and they would talk and they would chat and they would be in, in, in communion. Salvation brings that thing back. That's communion with God. And so when you start communing with God, everything is possible. Everything is then possible. Because before we are disconnected, we are disconnected from God, and therefore we are living under the laws of the of earth. But when we get born again, and the, the Spirit of God comes on us, that connection with God then is reestablished. And from then on, we have a pipe. The power of God then flows, begins to flow through us. Remember, I'm talking about salvation. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm not talking about a, a church as a place you go as a building. I'm talking about when you are when you get born again and your spirit then gets connected with God. When, that's when we talk about we are, we are born again. The whole act of being born again is being reconnected back to God, so that the fellowship that was there in the Garden of Eden becomes reestablished. And by virtue of that connection, we then have the miraculous pipe flowing through us. And there is nothing else that can happen but to live powerful life. So it is important that you resolve this identity issue. to understand who you now are before God? Who are you in Christ? You have been reconnected. That, that, that fellowship has been reestablished. That thing that we lost at the Garden of Eden has been reestablished. And so right now, wherever you are seated, uh, wherever you are connected, God is, is connected to you. He, that pipe, that communication has been reestablished. And therefore, the entire uh, power of God is available to you. And therefore, when you are stuck on the road in void, you are connected. And God knows and is able to command whoever needs to be commanded to come to your rescue. That connection, that is what I'm talking about. So we need to know when we get born again, the old is gone. It's gone. We are a new creation that is connected with God. And therefore, the miraculous power of God is flowing through you, is flowing through me. And that was God's design. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that those that believe in him may have eternal life. That is God's life flowing through us. Now, so in, in, as, I, as I summarize who you are, it is important to understand. Number one, you are perfect in your personhood. You are perfect. You are missing nothing. Before God allowed you to come into the physical world for us to come and give you a name, he knew you before. He knew who you are. He has a purpose. By the time people are coming to celebrate your birthday and you have been born, God knew you 
He knew why he sent you here. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And therefore, you are perfect. Now, what the enemy wants, and this is where now the connection is lost. Because the reason why we lose the connection between us and God is when the enemy gets a chance. Because the devil wants to, let, wants to make you understand that you're not perfect. But I'm here to tell you, number one, you are perfect. There's nothing missing. There's nothing missing. You are perfect. The way God wanted you to come, he has put everything that is needed for you to accomplish your earthly purpose. It is with you. You are perfect right now in your personhood. And you know, when you believe that, when you know that, you then stop comparing yourself with other people. You don't, you don't, I, I don't have to be, you know, worried about who is tall and who is big and who is small. I am perfect. I am perfect as I am. There's nothing I'm missing. I'm not interested in being like Wilson, nor am I interested in being like Cosmos. No, no, no. I'm perfect the way I am. And that is what we need to know because when we know that we lack nothing, then we will never get intimidated by anything. I don't want to be white for good or a sake. I don't need to be a Chinese. I don't need any other color. Niko sawa, kabisa. Hakuna nusu hakuna hakuna kitu siko nacho. I am perfect. I don't need to be like anyone else. And I, I pray that you, everyone that's listening to this will understand because if we catch this, we'll never be intimidated by this. We'll never be intimidated by tribe. Okay, I'm okay. Mini mukamba. Whatever you whatever you call it. I love you guys. They are my friends. But I'm happy the way I am. I don't see Nakitus in Mekosa. I'm happy. I'm perfect because God wanted me to be born in Makwen. Say my amen. <laughs> I'm okay. And you see, when you do that, when you are clear about that, you never worry about anything else or comparing yourself or try to want to look like somebody or try to copy somebody else or trying to do that ends um you need to understand that you here you are perfect in your personhood god knew you before you are perfect where you are whatever you are today you are perfect number two you are unique infinitely valuable I'm trying to deal with the issue of identity, that you are not only perfect, but number two, you're also unique. You're unique. There's nobody else like you here on earth. Therefore, if you don't do what, you are, what God wanted you to do here, the job will remain undone because there is no one else like you and no one else will ever come like you. Once you exit this space, there's no one who will come like you. You are unique. And not only are you unique, but you are infinitely valuable. Now I'm, I'm laying this because it helps you to understand why you, you can then flow in the miraculous power of God when you know who you are, you are perfect before this thing that you're 
nothing. You are not complaining about anything. Oh, you know, I wish I had this and I wish I was like brother so-and-so and I wish I was like this. No, forget it. You are perfect the way you want. You are unique. Not only are you, you are absolutely valuable. Valuable. Because you see, <laughs> valuable means you are precious. You are precious. That's why, you know, God knew you before. That's why he ordained you. You are precious. And you see when you are precious, you carry yourself like treasure. That's why you see, when you see banknotes being moved around, they are guarded because they are precious. Gold is not moved lightly. It is it's guarded as it goes because it's precious. So the way you carry cargo that is precious is different. And so when you know that you are precious, you then carry yourself differently. And irrespective of what the society tries to tell you, you, you will not be able to give in. Whether they say, oh yeah, you know, whites are more superior than black, get lost. Get lost. All oh, these races, or oh, this country is better than this country, and Americans are better than the Russians, and the Russians have a vaccine, and the Americans don't have a vaccine, and all that, not just get lost. We are infinitely valuable. And therefore, when you know you're valuable, <laughs> you, you don't listen. You, you, you live in another world. You live in another sphere. Because I'm not defined, as, you know, and we can... We can debate around this and, you know, let's fight for blacks and let's fight for the whites and let's fight for the Indians and the less privileged and all those things. The most important definition is you are unique, you are infinitely valuable. And so I don't care what anybody thinks. What matters is what my God tells me, that he knows me, that I'm perfect, there's nothing I'm lacking, and I'm unique and I'm infinitely valuable. And, the, and the, the third one is that God's plan through Christ is for us to live in a natural connection to him and to all living things. That we are perfect, we are unique, we are valuable, and that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that we could get connected to God. And by being connected to God, it then becomes easy to connect to all other living things. Because those are the things that you need. You need to be connected to God so that you can be able to connect to the other living things. And when you, are, when you have that triangle right, then you live a miracle, powerful life. Having that connection to God and therefore another connection to people, you live powerfully. So resolving this identity issue, resolving the identity crisis is so, so important because it declares, the, the, it declares all these things and sets the stage for you to be used by God and sets the stage for you to live a powerful life. And so this, this evening in this fellowship, I really pray that we can be able to resolve this identity issue so that going forward, you never have to listen to anyone that... People try to define you. You know, we have allowed even education to define us. So we have got those who have got masters and those who have got degrees and those who have diplomas and those who have this, and, and we allow that now to become the definition. So there are some of us who walk having defined ourselves as academic failures, having defined ourselves 
as academic geniuses, having defined ourselves as having this degree and that degree, and I'm here to submit to us. Those are ugly papers that have got no bearing. Nowhere in the Bible will you find Kasneb. And I know the accountants love Kasneb, and you know, they come, you know, they pass CPA one and two, they come and show us the papers, you know, I'm now CPAK. Those are other things. Same as degrees. Those are other things. I'm talking about the, the value. I'm talking about the value that comes that you don't allow those papers to define you. So irrespective of what you got in primary school, your value before God has not dropped because you failed in, in primary school. It has not God's value. It has got nothing to do with those ministries of education. And you see, we allow society to define us. So we, we then condemn ourselves. We feel like we are failing life because of what we got in school or what we didn't get. Academic papers we went. We think that is what matters. Ram, here to submit to us today. Education is important. Don't misunderstand me. Go and get it. Go to the best. Whatever knowledge is so, so important. But let us not allow that to be what will define you because you'll have missed the goal. So we need to understand that God then sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that he could reconcile us back to him, so that the miraculous power could be continuously flowing through us. And we can be experiencing that daily. That miracle, as we live, we can be experiencing it daily, daily, daily. And you know what? Uh, Possibly as I, as I, because I think I can't, um, I have to, to, to stop because it's 20 past. But as, as human beings, there are five things that we've got. Number one, you have got the soul. Again, I'm just, because this is important when we start drilling down to how do we live a miracle-filled life. Number one, we are a soul. You know, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul yourself. I am a soul, S-O-U-L. And then we have a spirit. That's number two. Then we have a mind. Number three. We have a body, which is what you see physically. And we have a heart. And when I talk about a heart, I don't mean the physical heart that pumps blood. I'm talking about the, 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 the non-physical non heart that's in us. Now, four of those dimensions belong to the spirit world. With the exception of the body, only the body is the one that is physical, that exists in the natural environment. The mind, the spirit, the soul, those are all spiritual. And you will now understand why it was so important for Jesus to die on the cross so that he could get connected, he could connect us. Because the spiritual things transcend time. Spirits that has got no tomorrow. It has got no yesterday. This, the spirit's time is always now. The body exists in the physical, but the, the, the spirit world transcends space and matter. That's why God is all over. He's, he's the same God in America. He's the same God here because he's not defined by boundaries. He's limitless. He can be, in, he can be everywhere at the same time. That is the spiritual angle of us as human beings. Now, 
it's also important to understand the spiritual world has got no negativity. So they don't understand the spiritual world has got no fear, no frustration. It's just a beautiful flow of faith in the spiritual world. So when I say fear, by the way, there's no word fear. Fear does not exist as a word. The absence of faith is what is called fear. So where there is no faith, then fear comes. So there's no word called, there's nothing called fear. Fear is defined as the absence of faith. It is the same thing as possibly darkness. There's nothing called darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. So when there's no light, what you see is darkness. So darkness is the absence of light. The same thing with fear. Fear is the absence of faith. So the moment there's no faith, then you get fear. So the spiritual world has got no negativity. So there's no fear, there's no frustration. It's just a beautiful flow of faith. And so if we learn to operate in the spirit, if we learn to operate in the spirit, we then start operating at a, at a, at a level that has got no, that is just full of faith. And then miracles then be, become a daily occurrence because we are operating in the, in the spirit. So I think it's important on Salad because I think the new church, when we go past COVID, we need to have understanding. We need to have a, how do I say? We need to, we need to have understanding. We need to be armed with the knowledge. We need to understand how things work. So the spiritual world has got no fear or frustration. It is just a flaw of faith. And so if you can move and stop operating in the physical and start operating in the spirit, you then become a candidate for the supernatural flow of God. And then you live miraculously and you live powerfully. So what are the responsibilities of the, the soul is who you are. S-O-U-L is who you are. So that's just remember that the soul is actually who you are. You are a soul. Your spirit is you're connected to God and all living things. And your mind is your thinker, is your knower. Your mind is where the thinking happens. It's where the knowledge stays. When you read and you study, that becomes knowledge. It goes into your mind. It's where the thinking happens, is the, know, the knower. And it is in, in charge of making sense of and managing the gap between the spiritual world and the physical world. So the mind is a very important place because it's in charge of making sense and managing the gap between the spiritual and the physical. And it uses your brain when you are making your decisions consciously. I know this is teaching, but it's important. If we don't do this type of teaching, we'll become shallow Christians. And we miss out on God's blessings. We miss out on God's power. Not because God is not interested, but because we lack knowledge. So the mind is where your thinking happens. And then your heart. Your heart is a unique level of consciousness. And it is your center of all action and attraction. Every action and attraction happens at the heart. And that's why it is perpetually plays a dual role. The heart will always be a servant or a master, depending on who is controlling it. The heart will be either a servant 
or a master. And that's why in Proverbs 4.23, for Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, above all things, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So your heart determines the course of your life. So today where you are, the sum of your life, everything you are today has been determined by what is in your heart. And that's why Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, because it is in the heart where everything flows out of there. And of course, your body is your body. That one is clear. So I'll explain what's the soul, what's the mind, what's the heart, what is the, uh, what is the, what, what's, what's the, what's the mind, what's the, uh, what, what's the heart. I've explained those five things because it's important to understand what each, which role each one of them uh, plays. Now I want to finish with this and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue um, hopefully um, when we get time. That in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 to 31, a very, very important scripture. And I want you to pay attention to this. In verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31. Um, so in 26, you know, God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. But in verse 27, he says, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then 28, which is very important. He says, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, that is talking about power. He's talking about the way we should be living on earth here. He said, we are supposed to be fruitful. Multiplication, we are supposed to be you know, growing, expanding. You know, our fruit gives, you know, bears fruit in season. So he's saying be fruitful and increase in number. That is That has been God's desire from day zero. So when Jesus comes and connects us with him, we, are go, we go back to the mandate where we are supposed to be increasing and being fruitful. And I want to speak to us tonight. I don't know where you are. But I believe this teaching is coming so that your next season, the next season of your life, wherever you are, you can bear so much fruit and there'll be so much increase. Ata utashanga. Utashanga. You think you have done something. I want to encourage us here tonight and I pray by the Spirit of God. You think you have done something. But I'm telling you, if we understand this, the next season of your life is going to be so fruitful, you'll wonder how you spend the last seven years. You'd look like you wasted seven years. Because the next few years are going to be so fruitful. What has happened? Because I thought I was done. And for the young people here, if you watched your father struggle, <laughs> If you watch your father struggle, some of you you've seen, and I mean struggling, I mean struggling. You know, struggling is if you watch your father waking up every morning to go to work, you only struggle. You don't need a struggle. I was, don't think that we enjoy going to work every day at six. We may cast on a traffic, 
you've seen brother Solomon sweating in the vehicle. You know, I'm a, I'm a now he looks like a bit relaxed in his house. I'm a sweat kwagari, but now I, I'm not saying going to work is bad. But the young people that are here, if you watch your father leave you to go to work and come back at night, you know, frustrated, don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. You should determine by the time you reach 30. You are you are free to be what God wanted you to be. You, you should not be you should not struggle like your father. I mean struggle. I mean some of us are even not with our families. I mean this is not good life. You know you are you are way in west. Your family is in the south. Your father is in the east. Yes, I don't think. <laughs> you know I'm getting a bit fired up right now. You know. <laughs> You know, what, what am I trying to say? I'm saying that the, the plan of God was being fruitful and increase. And, and, and that speaks to me of power. It speaks of power. It speaks of the miracles of God. It speaks of, and this has been God's design. And the word goes, it's been God's design from the word go. And the way, the method that God uses to bring fruitfulness and increase, and this is where I'm going to finish, we'll continue there when we get there, is, is using our thoughts, the power of thought. So the soul, the body, the mind, the spirit, all those things, when we want to increase here on earth, when we want to expand, it starts with a thought. The thought. The thought, increase for us begins with a thought. And thoughts are things, actual things. Thoughts are our creation. What you is what you begin to create. What you think is what it becomes. So the power of this thought is then expanded when you now put feelings and it starts with the thought, then it becomes feelings, then it provokes emotion in our minds and you know even scientists have have shown the, the relationship between thinking and actions the way we think the thought process is what then god uses to change the world to for you to create to to increase to uh, to do mighty things and the enemy wants us to continue thinking differently the devil wants us to have negative thinking. He wants us to um, to have, uh, you know, um, how do I say? He wants us to have negative thinking so that we never ever increase and multiply. And I believe that the the church we are going back to is going to be a church with a new thinking. And so thoughts are so important because they 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 they, 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 they control, it. and that's why surrendering your life to God. And allowing the spirit of God to come over your life, then governs your thinking. Then the power of God gets connected, and from there you become an unstoppable thing. What are you thinking? In the next session, I'm going to talk to you about what we need to change. But I want to 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 to, to finish with um, by giving you what happened in Genesis chapter 15. I won't read. I'm just going to mention, you know, because of time and and the Francis be ready to. To, to close the, the, the you know to close the to close the, the, the you know the meeting you know 
so God called Abraham, and then he, he, you know, things are not happening in his life. You know, God is happening in Abraham's life, and, and then he comes to have this conversation with God. He says, but God, in childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is this man called Eliezer of Damascus. And this may be possibly where some of us are. You, we're looking at ourselves and say, you know what? I've been born again, I'm a Christian, but where I am, I'm not where possibly I should be. And God is having this conversation with Abraham. And then the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. This is God speaking to Abraham. He says, this man will not be your heir. And I don't know where you are today, the state you are in, with the struggle, the lack, the, the challenges that you may be going through. We are all in different spaces, but I can just tell you this, that God told Abraham, this man is not going to be your heir. The place you are in is not where God wants you to be. It's not where you are going to be. The, the rented house that you are living in is not where God wants you to be. The lack that you may be experiencing, the struggle that you may be going through, that is not what God wants of you. And then God told Abraham, he took him out. He took him outside. And I, I want us, as I finish, I want you to come out. Because this is the beginning of the new church where we can be different and we can take action. He took Abraham out. And I want you tonight, over this weekend, reflect on this message. And I want you to come out of where you are. Come out of the situation. Come out of the lack. Come out of the sickness. You may be sick, but I want you to physically, to, to spiritually come out of that place. And he took him outside. And he told Abraham, look up. This weekend, take time. Tomorrow is Saturday, Sunday. Take time. Look up. Start looking up. Define where you are today. The situation, the challenges, whatever it is. Then look up. He told Abraham, look up. Then he said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall be your offspring. And in this new dispensation, this weekend, I want to challenge us. Come out and start getting a picture of what you can be. Start seeing what you can be. Start in my picture. Take time. Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? How do you want your life to look like? Because the moment you start seeing it, I'll never forget, I think most of you will remember, there's a time, I think I was preaching, I think it was in Ilmani or in Mombasa during the fundraising, the, the creme fundraising. And I remember telling some, uh, saying something. I remember telling you people, you know what? Creme is going to have, we're going to have a, a creme center. You remember that, that, that some of you may remember. And I said, it's going to be on a hill. And you'll be dropped on the road. And a go-kart will take you to the creme center. And I think I will say, yes, we'll be driving the go-kart. And it will take you to the creme center and open the gates and it will show you. And it will be on a hill. And it will be along Mombasa Road. And it shall come. This must have been 10 years. I don't know. I forget the time. But today, personally, we don't have the go-kart. But we have, <laughs> we have something better than a go-kart. 
It is exactly where we say it shall be, it's on a hill. And when you drive along Mombasa Road, you will see the Krem Center, exactly where we said it shall be. Why? Because we saw it 10 years ago. We saw it and we knew exactly how it will be. And today it has come to pass and I believe it's just the beginning. So I want you to step back and have a, have a meeting with yourself this weekend and do an assignment. I'm giving you a homework. <laughs> step back, look up, and try to answer the question, what do you want? What do you see? Because that which you see as we share the next other things that I'm going to be sharing with you in the next few days and sometime in the morning prayer meeting as God will enable us. I'm telling you, you will see it. And you will go. So whether you're young or middle-aged or old, whatever it is, take your time. Call a meeting with yourself and go out and see. Right now, Two, three, four, five. What do you want your life to be? Do you want to be in a plane? Do you want to be in a beach somewhere in Mombasa, opening the door and the waves are coming in? And the, what, what do you see? Call a meeting. And I want to tell you that as we continue sharing, you will start seeing the miraculous power of God. And your life will never be the same. The church will be respected. Ministry will be respected. You will be respected. God will get the glory. And we will never be the same again. We are not going back to the church of yesterday. We're going to be different. It's going to be a new beginning for us as a church. I have to stop there. Uh, I need to reach, to reach a point where you can get the homework and the assignment. When we come back next time, I'm going to be checking whether you actually did the assignment. Because that is what's going to bring change. What do you see? If you're a young person that is just beginning to go to college, what do you see? Call a meeting and write it down. Write it down. I can give you the day, give you as we go. Write it down. And you'll see the miraculous power of God flowing in your life. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be able to share a word like this tonight. I thank you for everything, Lord. Thank you for those that have had. I pray that, Lord, faith will be generated as a ministry will never be the same again. We are not going struggles of yesterday. We are not going back to sickness and disease. We are not going back to weakness. We are not going back to poverty. We are not going back to strive and, and 